This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Placement of an Intraosseous Line by Dr. Monica Kleinman. Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Hello, my name is Dr. Monica Kleinman. I'm from Children's Hospital Boston and I'm going to be talking about intraosseous access for critically ill or injured children. Now the reason intraosseous access is an option is that the bone marrow space inside of the bone cavity is not collapsible, unlike veins. And because it's not collapsible, it will still be intact and available for use even with the child's in shock. Things that are put into the bone marrow cavity and followed with a flush of fluid will rapidly go to the central circulation as rapidly as they would through a peripheral IV. Uh, and so it's a, it's a very, very good access to the circulation to use during resuscitation. Introduction. One of the primary goals in the resuscitation of a child is to prevent cardiopulmonary arrest. In order to do that, we need to be able to aggressively treat impending respiratory failure or shock so that the child doesn't progress to cardiopulmonary failure. One of the key management techniques for that is to have vascular access. And as anybody, anybody who works in pediatrics will know, the sicker the child, the more difficult it is to place a peripheral IV, in particular in states of shock where there may be cardiovascular collapse or profound dehydration. Vascular access can be very challenging. And people have been known to spend a long period of time on uh, multiple areas of the body trying to get a peripheral line. Oftentimes we don't think of intraosseous access until uh, this has become uh, a resuscitation involving CPR. And remember by that time things are really uh, pretty far gone and it's late in the child's progression of illness. So one needs to think of intraosseous while the child is still salvageable, which could mean putting an intraosseous line in a child who uh, still has some level of consciousness and certainly who may still be breathing or uh, uh, have a pulse, no matter uh, whether or not it's compromised. What I'm going to demonstrate today is uh, the way to place an intraosseous line using a couple of different types of equipment. Indications. The indications would be a child with a critical illness or injury who, in whom peripheral venous access has failed. Um, how quickly you move to I.O. is going to depend on the severity of illness. Uh, there's no specific time period or number of attempts that you should make. It really is uh, depending on how sick the child is and how urgently they need the access. In cases of cardiopulmonary arrest, you may wish to use intraosseous access as your first line of therapy for vascular access, uh, knowing that it's very time sensitive and that the child's circulation is likely going to be very poor. Uh, the child in shock or respiratory failure, it may be reasonable to attempt peripheral IV access first, 
but one should be prepared quickly to move on to interosseous access. Contraindications. Indications. There's really no contraindication to placing an IO catheter. Uh, experts initially said that osteogenesis imperfecta or other congenital bone diseases would be a reason to avoid this technique. In fact, there are case reports of patients with osteogenesis imperfecta who have had IOs placed successfully during resuscitation. If there is trauma to the extremity, that would be a relative contraindication as one can't be certain that the bone marrow cavity is intact or that the venous system proximal is intact. And if there's an overlying infection, like a cellulitis, it would be reasonable to go to another location. Fortunately, one has a, a number of different options with the different extremities available. Also, once you have made an attempt in one bone, if you did penetrate the cortex of that bone, it's not possible to place an IO catheter and use it effectively because if there is a hole in the bone already, when you push fluids or medications into the bone marrow cavity, they will take the path of least resistance, which could be to come right out that first hole. And so it's recommended if you've made one hole in a bone and the IV, the IO stops working, that you move to another bone, another site, for your next attempt. Equipment. You will need the following equipment to perform the procedure intraosseous needle, connection tubing, saline flush, antiseptic wipes, clean gloves, towel roll, syringes and blood specimen containers for obtaining laboratory studies. In some hospitals, intraosseous needle placement is performed with an intraosseous drill. Procedure Manual Intraosseous Needle. I'm going to demonstrate the different uh, types of equipment and then the technique. Um, Many facilities will have available the manual type of intraosseous needle. Uh, there are several different brands, and depending on which one you have, there might be some slight differences in how the equipment is used. In this particular one, there is a covered needle, and inside that needle is a trocar or stylet, similar to what you would see in a spinal needle. This is designed to prevent a core of bone or tissue from getting inside the end of the hollow needle as you place the catheter into the bone. In addition, this catheter has a movable flange so that after the line is placed, the hope is that flange can be adjusted so that the flange is resting against the skin, providing some stability to the intraosseous needle. Most of these are done during an emergency. There is oftentimes not time to do extensive uh, prepping or draping of the patient, 
And like an IV, this should be considered an aseptic procedure. So to the degree possible, certainly wear gloves to protect yourself and the patient and use some type of antiseptic swab in an effort to maintain some degree of sterility. The most common place that an IO is used is in the proximal tibia. And this is an advantage during a resuscitation because a lot of the resuscitation efforts are happening up near the child's head and chest, particularly if airway management or CPR are ongoing. And this part of the body is uh, therefore more accessible for intraosseous access. I will talk about alternative locations in a little while. To find the proper location on the proximal tibia, one should feel for the tibial tuberosity. And the tibial tuberosity is where the patellar tendon inserts into the tibia. And so if you feel for where the patellar tendon, where you would check for a reflex is, and go about one to two centimeters below that on this flat anterior medial surface of the tibia, which is quite superficial. Prep that area with the appropriate antiseptic for your area. Again, it's not necessary to sterilely uh, drape this if one is in an emergency situation. If the child has some degree of consciousness, it is reasonable to give some local anesthetic. Um, something like lidocaine can be infiltrated in the skin over the area and right down to the periosteum where the child may still have sensation as you try to place the needle. The leg can either be supported with a towel roll or something like that behind it, or can be placed flat on the bed. Avoid the temptation to put your hand behind the leg, as this could potentially result in an accidental needle stick. The needle should be placed perpendicular to the bone so as to avoid heading northwards towards the growth plate. And then pressure applied and a boring motion used to help the needle penetrate the bony cortex. You'll feel a sudden loss of resistance when the needle enters the bone marrow cavity. The needle should at this point Stand upright unsupported, not be wobbly. You remove the trocar, place it somewhere where you won't be stuck, and then you can attempt to aspirate some blood and bone marrow, which can be sent to the lab for testing. Bedside glucose, chemistries, cultures, type and cross. Uh, about the only thing that will not be accurate is a peripheral blood count. Finally, attempt to flush the catheter, looking for signs of infiltration anteriorly or posteriorly. Anterior infiltration typically happens after the IO has been used for a while. And one of the reasons we recommend using an, an extension tubing is to minimize handling of the IO from this end. The way that anterior infiltration typically happens is that back and forth movement of the catheter results in widening of the hole 
so that medications or fluids that are flushed into the catheter have an easier pathway than going into the circulation and start coming out that hole. Posterior infiltration results from the needle going through and through the other side of the bone, in which case medications or fluids might be infused into the muscle compartment posteriorly. So it's important to recognize this early to avoid compartment syndrome, which can occur particularly if medications like epinephrine or calcium or bicarbonate are infused. The intraosseous catheter should flush easily, although we'll feel more resistance than with a peripheral IV, because just as the bone marrow cavity is not collapsible, it's not terribly distensible either as it's encased in bone. Any drug that can be given through a peripheral IV can be given through the intraosseous catheter. All forms of uh, resuscitation medications, fluids, blood products, uh, inotropic infusions are all appropriate to give through the intraosseous catheter. Any medication that is given must be followed with a flush of fluid, <clears throat> 5 or 10 cc's. The reason for this is that the bone marrow cavity, just as it is not collapsible, <clears throat> is not easily distensible. And so there needs to be something behind that medication, a pressure applied to move it into the circulation where it can have its effect. Likewise, if you want to give a fluid bolus, <clears throat> either that should be administered by hand using syringes or on an infusion pump that can apply pressure and move the fluid into the central circulation. This can then be attached to an IV line preferably with some access of a, a stopcock or other port so that one can follow any medications with a flush of fluid to promote their entry into the circulation from the bone marrow cavity. The intraosseous is, is intended to be temporary vascular access for an emergency. It's not intended to be left in place long term and most experts would recommend that it not be left in for more than 24 hours. That should be plenty of time to hopefully resuscitate the circulation, transport the child to a more uh, definitive care setting, and be able to obtain central venous access uh, if that's what the child's condition needs. When one removes the IO catheter, there's no uh, special technique with one of these manual ones can literally simply be pulled from the bone and a dressing applied. Procedure, intraosseous drill. The intraosseous drill. Uh, these bone drills are very high speed with very sharp needles that very easily penetrate the bony cortex and uh, may appear less traumatic when placed uh, into a child because the uh, drill does really most of the work as opposed to a manual me method. Again, with our goal to prevent cardiopulmonary arrest and hopefully place these in children who are sick but not yet uh, in cardiac arrest, placing an IO earlier 
may be facilitated by having a device that uh, does it more easily and without as much discomfort. The IO drill is used with specialized needles that are designed to uh, be accommodated by the magnetic end. So this end has a magnet and there is a metallic tip to the IO. There are three sizes of needles, two of them which will be most commonly used in pediatric patients. The first is a needle that is 15 gauge and 15 millimeters in length, intended for patients between 3 and 39 kilos. The second is a needle that is also 15 gauge but is 25 millimeters in length and is intended for patients who are 40 kilos and above. There is a third type of needle which is an extra long needle in case there is a significant amount of soft tissue as in with an obese patient. This is the pediatric one. As I mentioned there's a metallic button inside that allows you to attach it to this and then not have to worry about the needle coming off. The landmarks that we're going to use for this demonstration are the same. The preparation is the same. The difference is that one allows the weight and the uh, power of the IO drill to penetrate the bone as opposed to using manual maneuvers to uh, allow the needle to penetrate. Again, place the needle perpendicular to the tibia. Squeeze the trigger gently and allow the weight and power of the drill to place the IO catheter through the bone. Hold this in place while you release the magnet and then unscrew and remove the inner trocar which is similar to what was seen with the manual device. Again, place this someplace carefully so as to avoid needle stick. One can attempt to draw blood by aspirating and that blood can be used for a variety of purposes. And then flush while examining for infiltration anteriorly and posteriorly. Procedure, alternative placement locations. Alternate locations for the IO needle include the distal femur, which is a, a large bone, but for which one needs to penetrate more soft tissue in which case one may prefer to use a larger needle than would otherwise be used for a baby in a situation like this one. Another location is the distal tibia over the medial malleolus. Again, there is the flat anterior surface of the tibia which should be accessed about a finger breadth above the medial malleolus. And finally, some people have placed an androsius into the humerus using the proximal humerus and the area below the humeral tuberosity to find landmarks and then enter the bone. These landmarks are intended to avoid the growth plate, although 
bony injury or bony uh, growth is typically not affected by placing. Complications. The complications that you may observe include infection, extravasation of fluids or medications into the surrounding tissues, compartment syndrome. Please note that you may or may not observe any of these complications during or following this procedure. I encourage you to monitor your patient closely for signs or symptoms of complications and to be prepared to manage them, which includes having the necessary equipment available to treat the complications should any arise. Assessment and Monitoring First of all, it is important to monitor the patient's skin looking for signs of infection. You will also want to assess the soft tissue near the site of intraosseous placement for signs of infiltration and monitor for signs of pain while infusing into the intraosseous needle, which may indicate extravasation of fluid. Documentation. Following placement of an intraosseous line, you should document the following information in the patient's medical record. The indication for the procedure. The date and time of the procedure. The location of intraosseous needle placement. Any medications infused in the intraosseous needle. Any adverse reactions. Now I hope you will feel more comfortable in using the intraosseous catheter and the technique for placement in a child who is critically ill or injured. Hopefully before cardiac arrest occurs in order to resuscitate them from respiratory failure or shock. Remember that the IO can be used to give any resuscitation medication or fluid that you can use through a peripheral IV is easily and, and rapidly placed and is only intended to be temporarily used for resuscitation until more secure access can be placed in the intensive care unit setting. That concludes our video on placement of an intraosseous line. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.